Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. I'm going to be making a very big announcement tonight at Mar-a-Lago. With the completion of the midterm election, now the 2024 presidential election is in front of us. Katie Hobbs will be the next governor of Arizona. How do you certify an election that is this botched? The G20 summit. Climate change and food security. The shootings occurred on a bus full of students. And safety laws. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, lots to talk about. It is News and Views for a Tuesday. And a big story at the top of the hour here, uh, Russian missiles. It finally happened. Uh, you know, we were we talked to James Carafano about a month or so ago, and we were talking about Ukraine, and uh, I think we actually brought up, what if there's an oops? Well, there was an oops. To, well, we hope it was an oops. We hope it wasn't deliberate. Uh, but Russian missiles flew over NATO territory, killing two people in Poland. This according to a senior U.S. intelligence official. Uh, two people reportedly killed after a projectile struck an area where grain was drying in a village near the Ukrainian border. James Carafano with the Heritage Foundation is back with us now. Jim, thanks for joining us again. And uh, give us give us your best uh, – I, I know information is still coming in, but any updated information you might have and what's your response to this? Was it an oops or is it uh, maybe a nudge well, by Russia? No, I think, I mean, if you look at where the missile landed, uh, it, it, and also if you know anything about rockets, which I do, because I was in that business for like 25 years in the U.S. military, um, particularly understanding how Russian rockets and missiles work, uh, I, I, I would be shocked if it was anything but inadvertent. Uh, so what, what does that mean? Well, look, a lot of people say, well, Article 5, which means that, you know, an attack on NATO and, you know, NATO responds in kind. Well, it's, it's, probably very difficult to argue this was an attack on nato and so you would see something much more likely what's called a proportional response this is something that is equal to the that what was done remember if you remember correctly right there was a, a a western airline that was shot down over ukraine right. by a russian missile right. a, by a russian operator that killed nato civilians in much higher numbers that didn't trigger a war that's because, the, 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 by all likelihood, the Russians were not intending to shoot down a civilian airliner. Um, that was egregious and wrong, and they should be held liable for that, but it wasn't an act of war. And, and I don't think NATO is going to look at this and say this is an act of war. It is deeply concerning. What they'll probably do is invoke something that's called Article 4, which is we should all get together and talk about this uh, and, and res- respond as a NATO, which who knows what exactly the form will take. But this is not an escalation. Everything the Russians are doing in the, in the last month or so, I would not call acts of escalation. I would call them increasingly acts of desperation. Hmm. And, uh, and I, I think this would certainly fall into that category. Would you expect uh, you know, some diplomacy from Russia to come out and say this was – I mean, would they come out and say – Absolutely, this was a miscalculation. This was an accident. We apologize. Would you expect anything along those lines? Uh, what would I expect them to do is see, look how dangerous this war is. You know, we want this to come to an end. The Ukrainians are being unreasonable. You know, these things are happening because of Ukraine. It's not our fault. Uh, if anything, you're, what the NATO should be doing is, is forcing Ukraine to negotiate with us and let us keep the territory that we captured. That's what I'd expect. 
Uh, Jim's Benny Hardy here. Uh, earlier today, um, I, I guess the sources of this, um, of this, you know, whatever warhead or whatever it was, a missile yep. that, that struck in Poland was, you know, media sources, and I, I haven't seen yet any government official on, on any any side confirming anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah U.S. government's already U.S. U.S. officials have already come out and said something happened. NATO's consulting. You. Um, uh, Hungarian officials have said the same thing. But the Hungarians are angry because the one of the missiles struck a pipeline in Ukraine, but it was a pipeline that was bringing energy into uh, Hungary. So the Hungarians, Hungarians are really upset about that. So, so governments are acknowledging that something happened. Well, explain to our listeners not familiar with the area just how close the the current fighting in Ukraine is to this area in Poland, and and what what things could happen just with the fighting that's just going on in Ukraine right now, and. And uh, how how likely this could be something in, inadvertent? Well, you know what the Russians have been doing essentially is kind of the equivalent of a hail mary pass. So it's um, they can't win on the battlefield. Matter of fact, they're, they're, the question is how much ground are they going to lose? They don't really have the ground capability to take offensive warfare. So they're truly trying to stave off the, the gains that your Ukrainians are making in. in recapturing territory. So what they've been doing uh, is really, if you remember back to World War II and the, 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 the blitz against London, I mean, long after it was clear that the Germans didn't have the military power to cross the channel, they continued to pummel Britain because they, they wanted Britain to give up. Uh, and they wanted to, you know, scare away countries from like the United States and other from, from joining in support of the British. So that, that seems to be the Russian strategy here. And so what they're doing is hitting civilian targets, civilian infrastructure to make life more difficult for the Ukrainians, hoping you, the Ukrainians lose their will or or, you, or NATO stops supporting them or NATO forces them into making some kind of concessionatory uh, deal with with um, Moscow. Um, so the, the, they're, they're all over the place. And yeah, I mean, the Russians can, with their weapons, can range literally any target in Ukraine, which means they're going to go right up to the border of, uh, could go right up to the border of Poland, Romania, and, you know, which are the two major NATO countries bordering um, uh, Ukraine. Well, for months, you know, there's been reports out of all <clears throat> of the su- lack of success on the battlefield with Russia. H- how about a scenario of, of just maybe a, a, a rogue section of the Russian military maybe doing something that was not authorized? You think that's a possibility? Yeah, it's it's unlikely. They fired a lot of stuff, and um, it, it and and you have to remember, increasingly the Russians are tapping into older and less reliable weapons, mm. uh, and so particularly if it's an older system that may in the head, you know, maintenance and storage, and they have um, it only takes a little bit, you know, particularly at the longer ranges to have something you know veer off course enough. So you have as somebody who actually. You know, worked in the missile business, and I, I can remember doing test firing at the White Sands Missile Range. And one time, we fired a missile, and, and basically, it just flew right over the target and kept flying until it ran out of gas, blew up a highway. Um, it was it was it was actually because the missiles had been older and they were having some maintenance issues. So, uh, when you're firing, literally, they probably fired, according to reports, somewhere between eighty-five and hundred missiles. So, for something errant to go like that, happen like that, that that's not unreasonable or unrealistic at all was so that would be your speculation for what happened today perhaps yeah absolutely oh okay. you know this could that that explanation is look i mean 
I don't know because I'm not there, but it's consistent right. with all the confirmable evidence we have. And therefore, it is, you know, without question, the most likely scenario. Well, it, it sounds to me then from all that you have said and what happened today, if, if your, your uh, speculation is correct, that, that Russia is sort of tiring of this conflict. Would you agree? Well, Putin does not want to lose. I mean, he has staked everything on this conflict, and 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 this is his historical legacy. And he, you know, much like Hitler in the bunker, to the very end, refused to concede that he was going to lose. You know, he he thought, well, like if I could just put one good defeat on the Americans and the British, like at the Battle of the Bulge, maybe they would sue for a separate peace, and I could gather my forces and you know the Russians. So Putin is in that mindset of, of you know defeat is not an option, and I just. And the only way you can think of to win is to convince the other guys to quit. And so you have these increasingly desperate acts. But, but they're again, I call them acts of desperation because they're not the kinds of things that would lead the Russians into an escalatory fight with NATO because that's just the destined. So, you know, we don't see the nuclear threat really, you know, particularly maybe detonating a nuclear weapon in Ukraine, which is actually probably also wind up making things worse for Putin, but not actually detonating nuclear weapons on on. Western territory, there was kind of a hollow threat about attacking U.S. satellites in space, also probably just, you know, an act of desperation. So it's widening the, widening the war beyond Ukraine only could be the death knell of Putin. He knows that, but, but he, wants, he wants the West to quit and get tired. He wants the Ukrainians to quit and get tired. So he's thinking, of what can I do to punish them, to, to convince them that they can't beat me and just give me what I want? So he, he now wants to try to win in diplomacy and statecraft and threats and bullying when he could not win on the battlefield with troops and tanks. Well, it doesn't sound like the Ukrainians are uh, tiring of it like the Russians are. It seems like the more that uh, Putin uh, thumps on the Ukrainians, the harder they and more more resolve they have to uh, continue this fight. Would you agree? Well, I mean, you know, infrastructure can be rebuilt. I mean, you could say, oh, you know, they lost electricity. Well, you can fix infrastructure, you can, you know, buy generators, you can do things to do all that stuff. But that's not helping Russia win the war because you're not attriting the Ukrainian combat power at the front in the way that will allow you to do that. Look, I, you know, I, I said this, and it could well be true. I, I mean, I can't just state this for a fact, but we may already reach the point where Vladimir Putin in his lifetime will never have a military capable of invading another country. Right. That's how much damage has been done wow. to the mm. Russian military. And I don't know how long he's going to live and how long he's going to be in power, but the scale of what they have to do to rebuild. Remember, look, if the Russians could fight back and go on the offensive, they'd have done that months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to James Carafano based uh, – our, our conversation was uh, started with this uh, Russian missile that went awry and uh, landed in Poland and killed two people. That sounds like they were advisors from the United States government over there uh, with the uh, Polish defense ministry. You talk about uh, Putin and, you know, this might be his last hurrah. Have you – you know, there's been a lot of speculation over his health issues. Uh, have you heard anything new on that or any insight on that? No, I mean, that, that speculation's been out there for a, a long time, everything from cancer to, you know, other debilitating neurological yeah. diseases. Yeah. And, and those rumors are out there. Clearly, when you look at him, um, he looks puffy, yeah. right? Which uh, normally comes from steroids or some kind of... Uh, but, look, I'm not... I'm, don't let 
if we're going to try to diagnose Putin's physical state, you know, <laughs> right. then I then, then comment on you know Joe Biden's cognitive ability or, or you know whether Trump has a mental disease or not. I mean, this is just you know you don't do that. You can't make medical diagnoses based on rumors and that kind of stuff. But right. um, but look, the reality is is Russia cannot win cannot win this war. Yeah. That's that's the reality of it. And the the real issue is going to be um, how do we rebuild Ukraine. Uh, in a smart way, so it doesn't become a dependent and uh, and 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 uh, and and address the issues that people people are concerned about corruption. People are concerned about how much money is this going to cost, how long it's going to take. We should, you know, we should have good answers for all those questions. Right. And and uh, honestly, if our president wasn't a Yahoo, we'd probably be getting them. Uh, you know, the fact that the Russians did this. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, you just told me you couldn't you couldn't diagnose his medical condition, and you just called him a Yahoo. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yahoo condition, not a medical condition. <laughs> so, you know, it, remember Putin did this in the middle of the G20. First of all, the Russians should have been banned from the G20. This is the meeting that they're now having mm-hmm. in Indonesia. The United, the United States should have boycotted it if yeah. the Russians were allowed to go. And we did, and we went, and we're sitting there. And so Putin, in the middle of the G20, conducts a terrorist strike on Ukraine. I mean, the, honestly, you couldn't give a bigger middle finger to, the Euro, to, to NATO Bingo. than that. And so... His audacity is what bounds. But again, these are acts, like I said, of desperation, uh, escalation. And if, honestly, if we had a better president, we shuffled in military aid faster and more aggressively, um, had a better plan on how to do this, addressed all concerns that people had about it, we would have been, we'd have been done by now. You know, Biden turns around and says, I need another $50 billion in emergency spending. And like $10 billion for COVID. I mean, COVID's been over for a month. Yeah. And he, Emergency spending another you know forty billion dollars for Ukraine like really you have to do that in December you need forty billion dollars you can't wait till a new Congress shows up in January it's just nonsense. Uh, Benny's got one last question before we let you run, Jim. Hey, Jim, fast forward if you can post uh, Putin Russia whether due to health or whatever uh, who emerges as their leader and what is their philosophy towards the West and expanding territories? Well, I I, th- I think that's unknowable. So I think what we have to do is. We need to do the kinds of things that make Russia irrelevant to our future. Russia is only relevant to our future if they have the ability to destabilize uh, the West. And so a strong NATO, rebuilding Ukraine so it's independent and strong, energy independence. Look, these are things we have to do regardless of how the, how the future of Russia is. And so we should focus on the things we can control rather than the things that, that we we can't control. Yeah. That's probably good advice for raising kids. And good, good advice for I, life. I try to tell myself that every day about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jim, thanks a million for joining us. Jim Carafano with the Heritage Foundation. And uh, how, how can folks follow you? You're on Twitter? No, we, we lost Jim. Okay, we lost Jim. Well, that's all right. Well, listen, you can go to theheritage.org and uh, hash, uh, forward slash uh, Jim Carafano, and you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all-powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7.
Welcome back in. News and views for a Tuesday. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast. Rain early, then uh, cloudy overnight, a low of 47. Tomorrow, pretty nice, high of 59. Some cloudy skies and some sunshine. Tomorrow, it starts to get a little cooler at night, a low of 37 with uh, partly cloudy skies. Thursday, partly cloudy skies, a high near 50. And Thursday night, we're going to get below freezing. This is the first night, I think, that uh, we will have... Had the temperature gauge below freezing in eastern North Carolina. We've had frost on the windshield once or twice, but I don't mm-hmm. think it really got uh, below the freezing mark. But we're talking about uh, a low of somewhere around uh, 27 to 29 degrees Ooh, on Thursday cool. night. That's a little <clears throat> on the chilly and side. And Saturday's game day looks like, for East Carolina, looks like good uh, football weather. Yeah, 54 High. and sunny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, 51, 54. Uh, our, our, my notes here say something different than the uh, graphic up on the uh, TV screen. Says, Two but. o'clock game, so it should be nice. Yeah, and nice the, and- the peak of the afternoon warmth. And uh, I looked ahead to uh, Thanksgiving. It looks like it's going to be warm, but maybe rainy. Uh, warm I, i've got a bunch of grandkids coming in so uh warm is good <laughs> but uh, rainy not so much but that's still a long way away they could be off weather brought to you by our friends at the ironwood golf and country club have you heard the news ironwood was voted best golf course in greenville for the fourth year in a row they base boast an 18 hole each Trevino design golf course Members-only full-service dining areas, monthly social events, competition-sized swimming pool, clay tennis courts. Ironwood is the perfect place to make new traditions with your friends and family. Looking for the perfect gift for a loved one, Ironwood has gift certificates available. Gift certificates for golf, or uh, they got all kinds of good things, equipment and clothing in their golf shop. Looking for that perfect gift? Here's another good idea. Join Ironwood, no initiation fee. Wouldn't your family love that? Contact Membership Director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653 to find out more. Our thanks again to Jim Carafano from the Heritage Foundation. Smart guy. Interesting insight. Yeah, and if you have a chance, uh, listeners, go follow Heritage Foundation. There is oh, all yeah. sorts of yeah. They are good information, uh, and uh, I, I I feel like uh, I, I must be on the, uh, the 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 good list up at the Heritage Foundation because they're always contacting me saying, "Hey, you want to? You got somebody you want to talk to?" And so, uh, and man, they have some incredible experts up there. Uh, I'm glad they're on our side. So, a uh, big announcement tonight, supposedly at 9 o'clock from Donald Trump. Everybody is speculating that the Donald will announce his intention to run for uh, president again. The The question is, uh, will he have the support that uh, he once had? Uh, story in Politico, the Club for Growth has uh, decided that, uh, you know what, <clears throat> our polls show that DeSantis can beat Donald Trump, and apparently they're going to pull funding from uh, the former president. Although he's got $100 million he uh, raised and didn't spend on candidates in this uh, last election, so it's uh, maybe he just said, well, that's all right. I don't need your money. i got plenty of my own. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And it's you know people are talking about this this fight between DeSantis and Trump. So far, it's a one-sided fight. Yeah, mm-hmm. DeSantis. In fact, DeSantis did come out today. He was asked by a reporter, "What do you think about uh, Donald Trump's antics and name calling? And how do you respond to the president making this big announcement tonight?" Cut one. <laughs> 
online. He found a cabby Christmas tree. Best capital this year's U.S. Okay, let's, uh, we won't go with that one. But, <laughs> that doesn't uh, sound like Ron DeSantis. Uh, anyways, <laughs> if you can find that, uh, great. If not, maybe the uh, something wrong with the uh, audio there. He pretty much used a sports analogy of, you yeah. know, hey, check the scoreboard check out. Check the scoreboard. <laughs> and and he, he did not mention Donald Trump at all. No, he basically came out and just said, you know what? I wake up in the morning and somebody in the mainstream media is coming after me. They've harassed me more in the last four years than probably any other governor. And, you know, I don't think he was bragging. I think he was being pretty accurate. They were always after him. He said, the point is I get up and I do what's best for Florida residents and uh, just keep working hard, keep my eye on the ball. And, and he said, yeah, go back and check the scoreboard. You know, what was really interesting. He mentioned a couple of statistics in this audio where he's talking about, the fact that uh, they, there are record highs for the number of Republicans in the state House and record high numbers for the number of Republicans in the state Senate. And they also gained four new congressional Republicans in their delegation to Washington, D.C. So uh, to say the least, um, yeah, yeah he, he, has, he has some bragging rights. Well, this is not going to happen, but can you imagine if tonight – Donald Trump, what 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 it would do with his legacy if he came out tonight and said, "Look, you know, I've served my country. We we did a lot of things well, uh, and I'm here to tell you that the blueprint in Florida is the blueprint for America, and I put my full support behind the party and behind Ron DeSantis." Can you imagine what it would do with his legacy? It is not going to yeah. happen. Um, he's probably. <laughs> he'll probably go all Donald Trump, and he'll probably throw some zingers at Ron DeSantis if that's indeed what he's doing announcing. But I, I just um, – I, I he, he would be a, a hero of conservatives around the world. Yep, and, he would, and he'd motivate new voters. But, uh, you know, I mean, I got a question for Donald Trump. You know, to throw it back to what he did in North Carolina when he last summer when he endorsed Ted Budd for Senate over Pat McCrory, and he called Pat McCrory a two-time loser. You know, yeah. Hey, Donald, are yeah. you? I mean, you, you lost. You lost in twenty twenty. You lost the midterms. Uh, you're, I mean, your candidates or or the areas that that Joe Biden won is where basically the candidates of Republicans lost. If so you got to dish it out, you got to take it in. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know what. Uh, I, I just if he comes out and runs, DeSantis runs, and you know, there's rumblings that Glenn Youngkin's running, Tim Scott. You know, there's all sorts of speculations. Donald Trump will win the nomination if it, with the – I mean, the Republican bench is deep. Yeah. It really is. And if there's five or six good candidates running, um, it's going to split the vote, and Donald Trump will indeed win the nomination. And I, I just don't think he'll beat um, – I don't think – I still don't think it would be Biden, but I don't think he'll beat who the uh, Democrats put up. I just don't. Uh, Clark, our producer, has uh, fixed the audio. Here is Ron DeSantis from earlier today. Well, you know, one of the things I've learned, like learned in this job is um, uh, when you're do when you're leading, when you're getting getting things done. Yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. Uh, I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm. Just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning and it's constantly attacking. And this is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media, than me over my four-year term. And yet, I think what you, what you learn is all that's just noise. 
And really what matters is, are you leading? Are you getting in front of issues? Uh, are you delivering results for people? And are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, then none of that stuff matters. And, and that's what we've done. We focused on results and leadership. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. Now, the fact of the matter is... You know, the fact of the matter is we um, it, it was the, the, the greatest uh, Republican victory in the history of the state of Florida. And it wasn't just the best governor victory. Of course, it was that. But we swept in. We swept in super majorities in the Florida legislature. We have 85 Republicans out of 120 in our state house. We've never had that many before. We have 28 senators out of 40 that are Republicans. Never had that many. And honestly, they could have had 29 if they would have done the Osceola one. You know, I, we won Osceola County uh, at the top of the ticket, and I think we probably could have done that. So, so you see that. You see the school boards. We're electing all these great people to school boards. We had t 16 Republican members of the U.S. House from Florida. Now we have 20 uh, going up there. So that's four, four seats right there. So, so at the end of the day, I think people respond to, to the leadership. They respond uh, to the results. And so that's why, even though I know anytime I do anything and you're over the target, you know, you're going to face incoming. That's just the nature of it. But that's not uh, ultimately uh, what matters to people. What matters to people is are you standing up for them? Are you leading? And are you getting things done? And we are. You yes. know, it's interesting. The red wave did not run through D.C., but, boy, it ran through Florida. And, it, and you know, it's, I was talking to someone late this afternoon. You know, uh, you know the, the, the disappointment in, in the elections. But there was a significant silver lining in a lot of these state races, the state houses, the governor's mm -hmm. uh, races, the, uh, the, the, and judicial races here in North Carolina. So, uh, in, in, in a sense – it's not a bad thing to see our state governors and our state governments become more and more conservative and more powerful and more powerful. <laughs> and again, you know, to see some of these governors and attorney generals in conservative states stand up to Merrick Garland last week and say, no, you're not sending your people in. You're not, you're not going to send these Department of Justice people in to monitor our elections. You're not in charge of them. We are. Don't show up. Well, you know, people were talking about how historic – Joe Biden's you know midterm results you know kind of the the you know biggest in history at least the biggest in 40 years but th think about how historic this is and what's happened in Florida with Ron DeSantis oh yeah and two in 2000 you know the hanging chad issue I mean determined the presidency I mean it was so close yeah. I mean it was down to hundreds of votes or less yeah. I, I believe yeah. I mean it was just really a few and then the last governor election with DeSantis he only won by what 30,000 30, votes yeah think about it, he is going quite possibly when all the voting you counted in california he's quite possibly going to win florida by a greater margin than get democrat gavin newsom did in california how about that now think about how big a deal that is that's, that's i mean huge. year in year out until this year to this election florida is one of the most important swing states like ohio yeah. pennsylvania yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the the list goes on of the most important. And it was blue, then it was purple, and now it's red. I mean, and that, that's all happened in 22 years. So, again, I'll go back to what I said last week. If you don't think that Ron DeSantis should be the leader of the 2022 Republican Party and beyond, you're smoking something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry.
Speaking of Florida, Rick Scott, the senator from Florida, has launched a bid for Senate Minority Leader challenging Mitch McConnell, Mitch Milktoast McConnell, for the top leadership spot. The Florida senator's office confirmed to Axios that he announced a bid to lead the Senate GOP at a lunch on Tuesday. McConnell has been the Senate leadership since 2003. Um, He has been asleep for most of that time. Uh, (laughs) Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy um, has won the Republicans' designation for House Speaker earlier today. Uh, he was challenged by Andy Biggs of Arizona, and Andy Biggs did pick up. And he, Andy Biggs, I think at one point he was uh, the head of the Conservative Caucus. But um, was it the Freedom Caucus, the Conservative Caucus? I can't remember. But anyway, a, a conservative group. He got 31 votes, and he said, well, okay, the final vote count of Republicans is 188 to 31. But here's the interesting thing. If those 31 votes stick together, uh, it's entirely possible that Kevin McCarthy, uh, he might want to go out and and schmooze some of these conservatives if he wants to be the the next Speaker of the House, assuming the Republicans win the House. Mm-hmm. Because those 31 votes, if they, vote, if they don't go to, to Kevin McCarthy – uh, Kevin doesn't win. I mean, you know, the Democrats aren't going to vote for Kevin McCarthy. No, they, I, they would love to embarrass Kevin McCarthy. I think I think he will. Oh, I think he eventually will. But what I'm saying is, he's got some he's got some bridges to mend between now and when the uh, actual election comes up in January. Again, we're we're we're, we're up to two seventeen on the Republican side. I think it's up to two oh seven on the Democrat side now. Yeah, was it two eighteen needed? Two eighteen for yeah. for a majority. For a majority, yeah. Uh, and some people say, okay, if if everything swings in the Republicans' way, they could get as high as two twenty eight. That's probably not likely. It is probably it is probable that they'll be more than just uh, at two eighteen. They'll probably be up in the low two twenties. We will see. I'm tired of predicting. <laughs> My predictions are so bad. Uh, at some point, I got to have you and Laura over steak dinner because uh, I was you. You were a lot closer than I was. Well, you know, I think the problem, you know, I mean, it's not only you. The you know, the media the last month, and I mean, I, in the last couple of weeks, I thought the Republicans would take the Senate by one vote, but the media in the last month, on both sides, the the liberal media and the conservative media, we're, we're talking red waves. But what if you look by state by state? I mean, most of them was were within the margin of error, and when that happens, it's a toss up. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like when you, I mean it doesn't matter. The Republicans won the popular vote this time. It doesn't that I mean that doesn't matter. Just like it doesn't matter in the presidency. But it, it's you know just because it was not a, uh, a you know a sweep. Uh, I mean it's it was still close, and I think I think people people are poll watching too much when they're they're really close. Um, just like the 2016 election with Donald Trump, look, no one gave him a chance, and the, but the polls were were close, some some not so close. So I, sometimes I think you, we we do too much poll watching, really. Five six one eight two five five. Stay with us. We'll get to your phone call as soon as we get back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 
Welcome back in. Uh, by the way, the News Note Observer has reported that Google has agreed to pay out some $392 million to 40 states, including North Carolina. They're going to receive $17.6 million because there was a suit against Google because they were tracking people on their phones when people said, don't track me. Hmm. And so uh, they basically lost that lawsuit, and that is the payout, uh, $17.6 million. That will go to uh, Internet in more rural areas of the state. So Josh Stein will probably be going around and bragging about that, bragging about that and doing campaign. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and listen, the News and Observer, as you might expect, uh, you know, gave kudos to Josh on that. Five six one eight two five five. 8255 Craig in Hubert. How are you, sir? Hey, Craig. Are yes, you there? Sir, how are you doing? Oh, there you are. Yes, we're doing great. Good to hear from you. So yesterday you made a comment about the World Cup U.S. team using the the uh, gay flag as part of their emblem now. Right. Yeah, that was reported, and, and of course that's for the World Cup, which is going to take place over in Qatar. Yeah. So here's the funny fact about that: the best U.S. player, his name is Christian Pulisic. Christian. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, I, I, I just I do not see how they can possibly go through with this based on well, it doesn't make any sense at all, period, without any debate, but especially where they're playing the World Cup, it's uh hard to imagine that they're uh, gonna stay on that track. We'll see. Hey that thanks. Was, that was not that was not unintentional, I guess. Oh, oh well I don't know if they're bright enough to think through the ramifications of doing that in a Muslim country where you're stoned to death if you're uh, – Yeah, but he, he's one of the best players in the world. And make no mistake, that was a consideration. We'll see. Hey, thanks for the call. Craig. World Magazine has got an op-ed written by Al Mohler, which uh, is basically covering the U.S. Senate – going back to the Respect for Marriage Act. Remember that? Mm, mm -hmm. It was uh, passed in the, I think, in the middle of the summer by the House. And now Chuckles the Clown Schumer is uh, ready to push it up again. Um, The, uh, there is a self-appointed group uh, which included Tom Tillis uh, Rob Portman, Tom Tillis, Susan Collins of Maine, Democrat senators including uh, Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, both who identify with the LGBT. Rob Portman's got a son who is uh, gay. Um, they said, through bipartisan cooperation, we've crafted – crafted. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> we've – crafted common sense language <laughs> to confirm in debate yeah. <laughs> uh, i've got myself tickled now i can't read it uh we have we've crafted common sense language to confirm that this legislation fully respects and protects americans religious liberties and diverse beliefs while leaving intact the core mission of the legislation to protect marriage equality Now, this is so infuriating that there should be carve-outs for religious liberty. Have these morons ever read the First Amendment to the Mm -hmm. Constitution? Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have to. It should be automatic. Yeah. 
assume. I, I mean, if, if there's any carve-outs, it would be a, a carve-out to, to help these people. I mean, you would think that the LGBT movement has a higher priority written into the Constitution than religious freedom does. And you, you think these these amendments, which I'm reading a summary of them right now, on uh, actually on Tom Tillis's website, you would think these amendments would uh, – you know, I, I'm fine with stating the amendment in there, but but then make reference to the United States Constitution. I mean, yeah. uh, less than a week after the midterms, Senate leaders are ready to push the legislation of same-sex marriage as a bipartisan deal. This is from the Al Mohler uh, op-ed. It will have to be bipartisan since it takes 60 votes to bring the bill to the Senate floor. There are only 50 senators in the Democratic caucus, so that means at least 10 Republicans will have to vote for the measure to be reached to the floor. In other words, if, if you vote for uh, cloture, it takes 60 votes. Late yesterday, Chuckles the Clown Schumer filed for cloture, promising to bring the bill to an initial vote this week, perhaps as early as Wednesday. He is sure he has the votes. He said that the vote this week is not a theoretical exercise, but it's as real as it gets. Listen, this is only going to pass if you have rhinos like Tom Tillis and Rob Portman and Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. Can they find six others that will join their ranks? I don't know. I hope not. We're about to find out what the Republicans and the Senate are made of and whether they have really any intention of uh, conserving the truths and structures that make civilization possible. For a conservative who will not courageously defend marriage as the union of a man and a woman is no conservative at all, Mulder writes. The bipartisan panel includes, as I said, Portman, Tillis, Collins of Maine, Tammy Baldwin, and Kristen Sinema. Why is it that whenever there's, quote, and, and why is Tom Tillis always so enamored with coming out and bragging about his bipartisan deals? Whenever there's a bipartisan deal that Tom Tillis is a part of, the Republicans and conservative causes get the shaft. Well, it helps secure, you know, appearance on shows on Sunday morning. It helps maybe with future book deals and all that sort of stuff. You know, the other thing that they, they bring into this bill, now this was not the the, uh, the, the bipartisan self-appointed folks, but, you know, they come in and they say this bill also makes clear that the U.S. government respects interracial marriages, which have, it should have done long ago. That, that, that is red herring verbiage and a head faint to make you think that anyone who is against this pro-LGBTQ bill is a racist. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- is there any place in the United States, even in the Deep South, where interracial marriage is is illegal? Now, I mean, I know you have a couple of morons in, in certain places in this country that, you know, would say, oh, you know, that's, that's terrible, that shouldn't be. But, you know, nobody's standing up and, and protesting interracial marriage. And to compare, quite frankly, to compare this respective marriage act and interracial marriage is an insult to any black american or, or any minority in this country that you're going to equate equate that with them uh the alliance defending freedom described the religious liberty protections in this bill as meaningless adding this new provision does not ameliorate the bill's adverse impact on religious exercise and freedom of conscience uh, listen, if you want to protest or you want to contact your senators and say vote no on the Respect for Marriage Act, here's some numbers. Write them down. Richard Burr, 202-224-3154. Tom Tillis, 202-224-6342. But, you know, to your point about this, th- think about where we are 
in this country where, you know, the Democrats were talking about, you know, when they get control of things, they're going to codify Roe versus Wade, blah, blah, blah. You hear that all the time. But in th- this bill here, we have to we have to codify the First Amendment now. Yeah. I mean, the First Amendment. I wanted to say, I, why should we have to codify the First Amendment in anything? It's just that, but that tells you where we are. It's you know we we assume these these rights, and we should assume these rights because it's fundamental in our Constitution. But now we have to consider that in these bills. Well, basically, their amendments are only limited to churches that you do not have to recognize certain marriages as a a, a part of your faith. You're not going to be penalized. You're not going to lose your tax-exempt status. But it doesn't address things like, okay, adoption agencies. Uh, Are you now going to be required? And listen, this this went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court allowed the Catholic uh, charities in Philadelphia to prevail in this case, but they said no. You know, the, the, the city of Philadelphia and the state of Pennsylvania does not have the right to to tell this Catholic adoption agency what they have to do in terms of putting children up for adoption to gay couples. You know, there's all kinds of organizations out there that are going to get burned big time by this. Uh, f- frankly, um, polygamous marriage, mm-hmm. uh, is is that going to be a part of uh, of our future as a country? And, I mean, you, you have – I mean, this is not just a national issue – Civilized humanity has embraced a, a, a biblical definition, regardless of your religious background or even your atheistic background, has re, uh, has embraced re, uh, a, a biblical definition of marriage for well over 2,000 years. And now we're going to make this the law of the land? I don't think so. Well, I mean, I, 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 say, I shouldn't say I don't think so. Who knows what these people in D.C. are going to do? And hey, we've got to take another timeout. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, uh, we are out of time. Uh, Randy from Greenville, you got like five seconds. What's up? <laughs> yeah, right when we get a red wave in North Carolina, Tom Tillis continues to disappoint us all. <laughs> well, yeah. Can't <laughs> what, disagree with that. What else is new? <laughs> <laughs> Good note to end on, Randy. Uh, anyway, listen again. Call Tillis, 202-224-6342. Burr, 202-224-3154. Say no on the Respect for Marriage Act. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.